Speed, tree, 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 Oh, was that him? I don't know. How many fingers did he have? I'm sorry, I couldn't get the binoculars out in time. Look, well, let's not stand on ceremony, mate. Let's start the show. Hey, yo, hey, yo, hey, yo, hey, yo. What it do, y'all? You already knew it was coming. It's the sequel to the last episode. Let me make this quick because we're going to get right into it because I hit y'all with a lot of information on the last episode and it's a little, it, this episode is the same way, but this is the, the for me, this is the, I'll call this throwback. This is the crunk episode for me because what I'm going to go over in this part of Reconstruction, these 10 years, just, they set up for the, set us up for the next uh I guess 200 years. It sets us up. Things that played out then are playing out now. We just have technology and bigger buildings in so many words. But we ended off with Lincoln getting murdered, Andrew Johnson becoming president, and kind of in the middle of his presidency. In the middle of it, oh man, it's probably the roughest four years of the country when it comes to race and violence at the same time. Um, to me, I th- I, I've, I've always looked at this as our first Obama, um, Trump. Biden situation that we're in now that we're looking at, man, damn, you know what I'm saying, with Lincoln kind of representing what, you know what I'm saying, I'm not saying that they're the same or they're equal, I'm just saying what Lincoln represented at the time, and then what Johnson did and how he flared up the country and split it down the middle, and then how Ulysses S. Grant had to come in and kind of act like he knew what he was doing, but he didn't, and nobody thought he was competent enough to be a president. So it's it it's craziness, real craziness. I think we talked about the Freedmen's Bureau, where the Union after the uh, Civil War ended, send they 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 stationed uh, Union soldiers, generals in different. States across the South, and they team up with the black people in those areas, and the Freedmen's Bureau kind of enforces these new rights and laws on black people behalf. Um, the white people do not like that at all. We'll get into that and right how that psh, turns the country on its ear, really. Um, but I'm not going to play a lot of music this episode or, or a lot of, you know what I'm saying? Because it, 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 it's, it's a lot of information. So I'm going to try and liven it up for y'all as much as I can because it is nuts. But let's get into it. This is part two of Reconstruction. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> Trill spill. 
I'm will roll up, pull up, whatever it is that you do. Check this out, and I'm gonna holler at you in a few. Andrew Johnson believes there's going to be a reconciliation between North and South. There's going to be a reconciliation of white Northerners and white Southerners. And if black people have to be set aside, fine. Moderate Republicans were outraged. Johnson was stubborn, self-righteous, rigid in thinking, he was really the worst person possible to become president accidentally at a time when flexibility, vision, and creative leadership were really what was required. Moderate Republicans are forced into the radical camp because they had to oppose Andrew Johnson. Johnson's plan of reconstruction was so lenient, in utter contempt of black liberty, that was simply unacceptable. I told you, I told you, Andrew Johnson is off the chain. He, he's, he's, he's like a horse in a hospital, word to John Mulaney. Here's how I try to look at it, and this is just me. This guy being the president, it's like there's a horse loose in a hospital. It's like there's a horse loose in a hospital. I think eventually everything's gonna be okay but I have no idea what's gonna happen next. <laughs> and neither do any of you, and neither do your parents, because there's a horse loose in the hospital. It's never happened before. No one knows what the horse is gonna do next. Least of all, the horse, he's never been in a hospital before. He's as confused as you are. There's no experts. They try to find experts on the news. They're like, we're joined now by a man that once saw a bird in the airport. It's like, get out of here with that shit. We've all seen a bird in the airport. This is a horse loose in a hospital. <laughs> when a horse is loose in a hospital, you gotta stay updated. So all day long, you walk around, oh, what'd the horse do, what'd the horse do? The updates, they're not always bad. Sometimes they're just odd. Be like, the horse used the elevator. I didn't know he knew how to do that. The creepiest days are when you don't hear from the horse at all. You're down in the operating room like, hey, has anyone, uh, Has anyone heard? <laughs> those are those quiet days when people are like, it looks like the horse has finally calmed down. And then 10 seconds later, the horse is like, I'm gonna run towards the baby incubators and smash them with my hooves. I got nice hooves and a long tail, I'm a horse. And it's like, oh, that's what I thought you'd say, you dumb fucking horse. Uh, he really, he, he's agitated the country like, Trump, that's why I be telling people, after I learned about this and really went down the rabbit hole of our country's history, there are, like, there are heavy markers of where you can, you can 
see where we went wrong. Like people, how did we end up here? This is literally one of those times. Reconstruction was almost utter chaos. And the only reason the country didn't fall apart is because of a few chance happenings and the strength and perseverance of black people. I'm not even saying that just because I'm black. Um, I, I found a, I was going to the library and, and watching documentaries and getting on YouTube and, and, and going down rabbit holes and, and sifting through information. I, I've noticed something. Uh, a lot of black history, history in general, the stories are being told by white people. Then they, they, if you get lucky, you might find a documentary that those white people have interviewed some black people on the subject and they interject from time to time. But usually it's somebody else telling our story. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing this episode, because it's so interesting to me how we so we go through these things. We 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 as a country right now. If I told you. We're going through the same exact thing now. This is Reconstruction 2024. Instead of it being 1865, it's 2024. And we're in the Reconstruction era of our country. And all of the same things are happening. Now, there's a lot of people that I'm going to mention in in these clips that I found for y'all that are going to get mentioned. These are very important players that don't get the hype. And they're interesting to me because they all have these, you know what I'm saying, crazy, uh, not stories, but they overlap. Kind of like that movie. um, Oh, man. I think it's Traffic. But who cares? Um, I... it's hard like I'm supposed to be supposed to pick up where you left off but we left off with kind of chaos and and you just heard all you know what I'm saying I just gave you the the overrun of Andrew Johnson and how things were starting to stir up in the south but basically Free Man's Bureau is off and running I told you about that that's the Union soldiers helping out the black folk that's working because Across the South, there starts to be, you know, we found out that we could become whatever we wanted. So we started learning what it took to become a politician. How do I become a legislator? Because we need black leaders. We want we want to choose black sheriffs. We want to choose black judges. We want to go to black doctors. We want to do this. We that, that, that's so. There were all there were settlements across that 400,000 acres that we had gotten from 40 acres and a mule, uh, Special Order 15 that General Sherman gave in 1864. Um, but Johnson, like you just heard, he demolishes that and he's and he get, and he's basically giving them he's giving the land back. So now where we're at is old planners that were once banned and kicked off their own land were given back their land, but that land had been occupied since then by the black people, the freedmen. And now the South is at a boiling point because 
places like St. Catherine's Island, uh, ran by a man by the Tunis Campbell. Tunis Campbell. That is this dude. Scores of newly emancipated men and women were arriving at St. Catherine's in the Sea Islands of Georgia. Under Sherman's Field Order 15, these abandoned lands would be theirs. Leading them was 53-year-old Tunis G. Campbell from New Jersey. For years, Campbell had worked tirelessly as an abolitionist, a preacher, an educator, and political organizer. With the help of Secretary of War Stanton, Campbell got himself appointed superintendent for the Union-occupied islands in Georgia. There are a lot of people in 1865 who are trying to tell blacks what freedom is and tell them what they ought to be doing. Campbell reflects the impulse, we should really determine ourselves what we're doing. Independence from white control, that's critical to their definition of what freedom is. It just happens that on St. Catherine's Island, you can create such a thing. The whites have all fled. Sherman has given out land. So the opportunity to create an independent black community exists. We left with rations and a few families, and at Hilton Head got more, Campbell wrote. And Savannah loaded us as deep as we could swim. These deserted lands had been at the heart of the South's rice-growing empire. As Campbell arrived to the island and they put the gangplank down, the island was overgrown. It's been looted by Union naval forces. The seagrass is high. There are rattlesnakes. There are alligators. He can see the slave cabins. They're also in great disrepair. Immediately upon arriving and assessing the situation there, he writes to the American Missionary Association asking for seed, asking for plows, sweet potatoes to supplement the diet, marriage licenses for the people. And he calls a meeting of the people to explain to them, this is our home. Uh, uh, beginning next week, I will divide up the land into 40 acres for each of you. By June, the settlers had crops in the ground. I have corn, watermelons, citron, onions, radishes, and squash, wrote Campbell. But the rebels have destroyed the sweet potatoes. Do not fail to send them. Send eight number 11 plows, six cultivators, get the improved ones. Tunis Campbell sees the South as a kind of new political frontier. Sees himself as a kind of political pioneer to go to that place where this new regime of black political liberty and civil liberty might flourish. Okay. Shout out to Tunis Campbell, because number one, he is the standard. Like, at the time, those were the type of black men that we needed. And he wasn't the only one, but he was definitely one of the first that started to this trend across the South of black leaders popping up, people that had either 
bought their freedom or had become freed men uh, started to take control and really start to actually lead the people because you gotta think about it you go so long as as thinking yourself as a regular slave you really you're just kind of following the crowd at this point you don't have anywhere to go you don't have you you, you've been freed but you just left your home at at the top of Georgia and came down here and now that you got this like who's gonna you Who's going to take charge? Who's going to take the lead? And what are we going to do? People like Tunis Campbell started to really make an impact. And that started to scare white Southerners. That was... It it scares them to the point. And, And all it is is growing black independence. That's it. That's all they're scared of. But Andrew Johnson... Remember, he's like Trump. He's like our Trump at the time. This is, this is he's from the South. He's from Tennessee. And they were rebels and he rebelled. He rebelled all the way. I keep telling y'all, the only president to ever go to, to do what he did. He received the government and only senator refused to give up his seat during the Civil War. But anyway, it still boggles my mind how he even became president. But that's what I mean. Anyway, Andrew Johnson, he is, he pulls a, he pulls a, what they do, this is, he, he, this is the first move the very first move that sets America off on the tangent of systemic racism. We all knew about the physical part, but this is the beginning of the systemic racism. Here, I'll show you how. The president abandoned his strict policy toward the planters. By fall of 1865, he was pardoning so many that special clerks had to be hired to keep up with the paperwork. Johnson thinks that only the planters can really keep these African-Americans under control. So very quickly, he begins to bring the wealthy planters back into his reconstruction policy in order to really impose subordination on the former slaves. The planters only want to be pardoned so that they can get their land back. And so Andrew Johnson complies with their wishes, pardoning 15 to 20,000 planters, hundreds of them being pardoned every day. When these planters then are pardoned, they return to their islands and to their acreages all over the South, and they want the people who are then living there removed. The president ordered that Confederate lands seized by Union troops during the war be returned to the planters, including land confiscated under General Sherman's Field Order 15. In Georgia, 
the assistant commissioner of the Freedmen's Bureau refused to give planters back their land. Johnson fired him and replaced him with someone who would. In Washington, the head of the Bureau, General O. O. Howard, sympathized with the freedmen and resisted the president's decree for as long as he could. Finally, in October, Howard set out for the black settlement at Edisto Island off the coast of South Carolina. His orders from President Johnson were to effect an agreement mutually satisfactory to the freedmen and the landowners. Behind the bureaucratic language, Johnson's directive was clear. General Howard has to tell these former slaves that the land that they thought had been given to them by the federal government now is going to be given back to the former owners. And if they want to remain there, they're going to have to sign labor contracts to work as laborers on these plantations. These people believe that they have a right to this land. To them, this is a violation, a deep betrayal of the promises that the government made to them. They are not willing to just take this line down. Is it starting to come together for you? You starting to see what I'm talking about? It's the little plays that he's making. You know what I'm saying? It's in even down, it, it, it got crazy because Men like Tunis Campbell, like when they were, they're doing, they're living on these compounds. They have their own armies, black soldiers. You know, so this is around the time uh, where you start to hear the phrase "poor whites." For many white Southerners, negotiating with slaves seemed unimaginable. Because in the very notion of negotiation is an assumption of some kind of equality. And for many white Southerners, they don't have anything to pay them with because they themselves are on the verge of desperation. There is now nothing between me and the nigger but the dollar, the almighty dollar said one South Carolina planter. And I shall make out of him the most I can at the least expense. Matter of fact, every time I say poor whites this episode, um, um, we're going to hit them with the aww. Aww. Hmm, poor whites. Aww. All bullshit aside, for real. With him doing that, it's it, it, it's making black people go harder, making the Republicans go harder. Speaking of Republicans, before I go any further, forget everything that you know right that that you that you know is going on right now with with uh, politics and Republicans and Democrats. It was not like that in 1865 at the beginning of our country during Reconstruction because the Civil War had happened. The way you can look at it is Republicans were the North or the Union and they wanted freedom. 
and Democrats or the South or the rebels, the Confederacy, and they were scared to get rid of the line between black and white in this country. That's what they were scared of. That's what they're still scared of. Um, But that didn't stop the political conventions. You know what I'm saying? They were black political conventions that were happening all over the South. Um, And that really throws the country in in like a a whirlwind because it, it... Democrats are starting to flare up. But... Even in the Republican Party, they've broken off into two sections. There's a radical party where these white legislators are actually in the streets <laughs> working with these black uh, settlement owners. Uh, and and uh, they're working on the first Civil Rights Act. And it's the same one that uh, they told Johnson not to veto and he vetoed it two weeks later. But what I was so happy to learn is that Congress overrode the veto. Um, and it was kind of crazy. But that was around, I think I was, I think that was 1866. And then they ratified the Constitution. They put in the 14th Amendment. And it, the 14th Amendment is, I can, I can kind of paraphrase it. It's basically a new definition of American nationality and citizenship. So it's making black folk, for the first time, full citizens of the United States of America. And this is the beginning of the concept of civil rights in American society. So you got rights that obtain to you as a citizen, and they can't be rescinded because of your race. That And that... That through Congress and an upheaval, because the Democrats went ape shit. These, these, they didn't respect any of the the black lawmakers that had risen from the, their respective states in the South. Um, they were they were very, very adamant about not <clears throat> accepting or recognizing or acknowledging. Um, the black legislators, um, and it, it was always a rough time during during a congressional hearing or or any kind of convention because they just weren't having it. But the black legislators weren't black backing down, you know. So that there's a huge battle though about what role the federal government's gonna play because Democrats don't think that they should get to, Republicans should get to say who's a citizen and who isn't. <laughs> and that's funny because that, they mean, that means that they think they do. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, <clears throat> but if, if they don't want crazy things. Like, these are, this is when you, and again, civil rights movement in the 1960s, we already had one. In the 1860s, I keep telling y'all everything is connected and history repeats itself. And if you can 
see what has happened. You can kind of gauge and predict where the country going to go and you can stop letting it get you bent all out of shape and arguing with each other on Twitter because this dude thinks this way and this lady thinks that way. It's like, look, man, we all Americans. This is this is what we all came from. The white people because the northerners, northerners wasn't all everything they was cracked thought we thought they were cracked up to be. Oh, I messed that up, man. Why my my mouth is is all over the place. Pause. But um, it was like South Carolina convention of colored people. Like they were they were all they were saying things like um, we just want to be treated like men. <laughs> and then there was like uh, I think one Mississippi uh, delegate. He told he told the he told them during that congressional hearing. He he told the the senators of the South. He said we helped when it was our time to help. We stood by y'all. We fought. We did this. We did that. But you know what I'm saying. So we just want we just <laughs> we really just want to be protected by the same laws as you white guys. You know what I'm saying? Like oh yeah. and 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 that will you stand by us? And that always makes me think about uh, what Michael Che says about race. <laughs> we can't agree on anything anymore. As a country, we just can't agree. We just fight about everything. We can't even agree on Black Lives Matter. That's a controversial statement. Black Lives Matter. Not matters more than you, just matters. <laughs> matters. Just matters. <laughs> That's where we're starting the negotiations. <laughs> matters. We can't agree on that shit. What the fuck is less than matters? Black lives exist, can we say that? Can we say... Is that controversial? <laughs> We always ask for the lowest common denominator. We ask for the lowest rights. Gays were fighting for equal rights. Equal rights. That, could you believe that's an actual stance you could have? You could be for equal rights? That means there's people out there saying, I think everybody should have the same rights as everyone else. And there's other people like, nah, son, I disagree. <laughs> I just don't think so. Black people was fighting for civil rights, not even equal. <laughs> Just civil. Can we get civil? Can we get, I'll take civil rights. Just be civil. We want civil. Can we get civil? Turn the fucking hose off. Can we just get... They don't tell you black lives don't matter. That's not what they say. That's not the argument. They hit you with that slick shit. Like, well, all lives matter. Really? Semantics? That would be like if your wife came up to you and was like, do you love me? And you were like, baby, I love everybody. What are you talking about? God's creatures. What are you saying? You're no different. 
Why do black people always have to get over shit so quickly? Thanks, black lady. <laughs> right? Why, why, do we, why do we always gotta get over shit? Every time we bring some shit up. Slavery, oh, that was 400 years ago. <laughs> Segregation, oh, you, you guys got Black History Month out of it, come on. We, we gave you February. <laughs> Police shooting, that, that was two weeks, come on, you still, still? 9-11, oh, never forget. That's why this September, I'm getting a t-shirt that says, all buildings matter. Let me see how that works. Break! Has this ever happened to you? Oh man, I, I wish I knew what happened. I see what everybody's out here talking about and I want to fit in, um, but I don't know what the truth is. I don't, I, I don't know what side to pick. If you've ever ran into that dilemma, you've got an easy fix. Shut up. Don't talk. Don't talk. It works wonders. You might ask yourself, but why can't I just find the information out there? I'm pretty sure. Unless you're using discernment, you're not gonna know shit. So, again, shut up. Unless you're gonna go on deep dives and read books and listen to documentaries, you probably don't know half of the things that you think you do. So, to make it ever easier on everybody around you, just shut up. This has been a PSA for good folks at Trill Spill the Wheel. In 1865, more than 2,000 black men, women, and children were reported murdered in Louisiana alone. The violence in the South was a way to reestablish white supremacy. These gangs of whites pick out the guy who's trying to save his money, who's trying to get ahead. A man who is an inspiration to other black people in the community. He's the one that gets murdered. It amounts to systematic culling of alpha males from the black community. The Southern legal system became an instrument of intimidation. Louisiana, Texas, South Carolina, Mississippi, and Florida passed laws that virtually prohibited freedmen from any work except as field hands. The laws were called Black Codes. The aim was slavery without the chain. The Black Codes were laws passed to control and restrict and constrain the lives of the freed people, essentially rendering them bondsmen again under law. Some states made it illegal for freedmen to handle weapons and restricted them from buying or renting land. 
black children could be seized from poor families and forced to work in the fields. If a black man had no job, he could be jailed and auctioned to a planter for his labor. They make a travesty of the freedom that African-Americans have acquired. They are so far from any notion of fairness or freedom that even Northerners who are not egalitarians say these laws are unacceptable. And so Northern Republicans are faced with a dilemma. They don't want to have a big fight with the president, but to accept the idea that Johnson's policy is a success and accept the black codes, they feel means giving up the victory in the Civil War. To Louisiana's black veterans, one freedman offered this advice. I would say to every colored soldier, bring your gun home. Nuts. All this build up racially. And it's a it's a literal tug of war. Alright? To the point where it kind of meets at a head. It comes to a head in 1866. July 30th. And this is all over the right to vote. July 30th. 1866 at the New Orleans State Convention. This is the first time. And it's crazy because uh, January 6th just passed. That's crazy. But this was July 30th, 1866 was the first time we get a taste of white mob violence. Ah, yeah. Mm, Yeah, turn up. And it kind of starts to chain across the South. But Democrats uh, at the convention, because you got to think about it. In 1866, since all these changes have been made, this is leading up to the campaign of, uh, I believe it's 6970. Now, at the New Orleans convention, the Democrats attack radical Republicans and their black supporters. And this starts this this snowball for kind of the second civil war. But when I say it starts to snowball, basically, uh, the Democrats, they they chase the Republicans out of the convention hall (laughs) and shot people. Like, (laughs) like (laughs) think about a convention hall. This is this this is the it's Congress. Okay, and the Democrats are shooting this. It's it's so bad it falls. They, they like I said they run them, they run the Republicans out of the the hall into the street, and men are murdered in the streets that day. You know what I'm saying? All over the right to vote. By the time it got under control, they say. By the time federal troops restored order, 34 blacks and three white radicals had been killed. 
And the radicals say, we told you. We told you that unless you stamp out this serpent of white power in the South, unless you kill it, that it's going to rise up again. Right! So, since the Democrats are on their ass, and they're basically, you know what I'm saying, um, saying, fuck the rules, and Andrew Johnson is acting like a thug, a true thug in the, in the White House. Naturally, his, his approval rating is starting, is starting to cause controversy. And Northerners are pissed, okay? This, this is starting. It's, it's just something needs to happen. So, Johnson decides to... He's he slick, man. He, he, he was a lot of things. But Andrew Johnson was not a dummy. I, can't, I, I gotta give him that. Um, he decides, oh, okay, I'm going to team up with somebody from the union and I'll just go around I'll make the people like me again. So he, 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 he goes on to make America great again campaign. I, I, I bullshit you not. I'm dead serious. He, and it's crazy because he takes the Republican candidate. He takes Ulysses S. Grant before he really becomes the candidate for presidency on what they called uh, the swing around the circle. Basically, it's Johnson trying to peddle his policy around the country uh, for his campaign and and up his rating and kind of, you know, trying to play to Northerner's sympathies and let them know, hey man, I'm, I'm a good old boy. Exactly. That's exactly what you are, Andrew Johnson. But in 1868, something happens. That, because that doesn't work. People just don't like Andrew Johnson. And uh, he gets impeached in 1868. What? Yeah. 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 Trump wasn't first. Wasn't Bill Clinton. Andrew Johnson. Oh, that's great, Will. So Andrew Johnson gets impeached, and that's, you know what I'm saying? And they get him out of here, and that's, we, we all live happily ever after. That's the end of the story, right? No, because if you know anything about impeachment, it's not exactly how it works. Impeachment is just the process. There has to be a vote. And majority rules, and if you're voted out, you lose your presidency. Johnson wins by one vote. He gets to keep the title of the presidency. And right now, the State of the Union is almost in shambles. Like, the country is literally falling apart, it seems. And it seems like since the impeachment didn't work, people are kind of throwing their hands up in the air. Northerners are like, we need a revolution. Like... They feel like the Civil War was pointless because these these Southerners don't want to listen to nobody. Uh, they they kind of it's kind of funny. It's, it's it's weird, but a lot of stuff starts to happen positively in the background because you got people 
that are kind of plotting on the outskirts. Because after, after the land was taken away from some of these people, some like people like Tunis Campbell, he went on to uh, to become a legislator and fought for the rights for other people to be to just exercise their rights and be more than planners, be more, more in more places than just a plantation. But the State of the Union, and I realize that that's probably, uh, I know probably it originated in 1776, but we get them now on TV and State of the Union address, like the State of the Union, though, <laughs> at the time was, it was ridiculousness. Where do Rob do that? The former Confederate states were divided into five military districts, each commanded by a general with power to enforce law and administer justice. New Southern governments would be created. They would have to ratify the 14th Amendment. Their new state constitutions would have to be approved by Congress. And black men would have the right to vote. This really was a remarkable leap in the dark for world history. It's the first large-scale experiment in interracial democracy that had existed anywhere. Break! Close your mind, close your eyes, see what your heart. How do you forgive the murderer of your father? The ink of a scholar worth a thousand times more than the blood of a martyr. Uh, uh. We came through the storm, nooses on our necks, and a smallpox blanket to keep us warm on a 747 on the Pentagon lawn. Wake up, the alarm clock is connected to a bomb, anthrax lab on a West Virginia farm. Shorty ain't learn to walk, already heavily armed. Civilians and little children is especially harm Camouflage Taurus, Bibles and glorious Qurans The books that take you to heaven and let you meet the Lord there Have become misinterpreted reasons for warfare Reread them with blind eyes, I guarantee you there's more there Rich must be blind, cause they ain't see the poor there Need to open up a park, just close 10 schools, we don't need them Can you please call the fire department, they down here marching for freedom Burn down ATPs, turn their TVs on, the teacher men move The more money that they make, the more money that they make The better and better they live Whatever they wanna take, whatever they wanna take Whatever, whatever it is The more that you wanna learn, the more that you try to learn Not cause things the same, because we like the same color And that's gray, now that's man Can't burn his cross, cause he can't afford the gasoline Now if a Muslim woman strapped with a bomb on the bus With the seconds running, give you the jitters Just imagine an American-based Christian organization Planning the poison water supplies to bring the second coming quicker Nigga, they ain't living properly Break them all for no democracy Turn their whole culture to a mockery Give them Coca-Cola for their property Give them gum, give them guns, get them young, give them fun But if 
they ain't giving it up, then they ain't getting none. And don't give them all, now, man, just give them some. It's the paper, some of these cops must be Al Qaeda, nigga, uh. The more money that they make, the more money that they make, the better and better they live. Whatever they wanna take, whatever they wanna take, whatever, whatever it is. The more that you wanna learn, the more that you try to learn, the better and better it gets. America, tell More money that they make, the more money that they make, the better and better they live. Whatever they wanna take, whatever they wanna take, whatever, whatever it is. The more that you wanna learn, the more that you try to learn, the better and better it gets. America, don't give the black man food, give red man liquor, red man food, black man nigger, give yellow man tool, make them railroad filler, also give them pen, make them pull gold from river, give black man crap, block and dings, give red man craps, slot machines, now bring it back, 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 don't give the black man food, give the red man liquor, red man food, black man nigger, give yellow man tool, make them railroad also give them pan, make them pull gold from river Give black man crack, blocks and ting Give the red man cracks, slot machine So, once again Blacks off and running, we on go, we stay on go And uh, a number, a uh, large number actually way more than the white southerners expected a number of black legislators are popping up and people like Tunis Campbell for instance he runs for office in Georgia and that's when white fear really starts to take center stage because it's so bad Like, like like I said poor whites Poor, poor whites. They really can't take this. It's hurting. It hurts them physically to see black people doing anything besides working for them. (laughs) Poor whites. Southerner had these words of warning for the newly freed slaves. And these for newly freed slaves are only trying to vote and or run for office. But he's like, this, this white guy's like, let not your pride flatter you into the belief that you ever can or ever will govern the white man of the south when I hear quotes like that I'm like who are they talking to like were they talking to black people <laughs> cause black people probably if they were like, they probably didn't even care like what do you but who is he talking to anyway and it's 
shit got so real to where like like that's the sentiment of the South though. These white Southerners, they're fighting at their conventions. Like I said, they're killing people in New Orleans. Around uh, places in the South, fights are breaking out all of the time between not only the black legislators, but between the white Northerners of the Republican Party and the white Southerners of the Democratic Party. White white on white crime. That deserves a Birdman hand rub. And sound ashy. Anyway, like I said, Tunis Campbell, he didn't run for office. Now, what ended up happening they around different states because they got this cue because they know the good old boys, good old boys. They know Johnson has their back in Washington. So these southern states, they start locking out black legislators. They're locking them out of the Senate. All you know what I'm saying during the election year '68. came down to a battle over Reconstruction. The Democrats nominated Horatio Seymour and Frank Blair. Their views were shared by many in populous northern states like New York and New Jersey. The Democratic Party ran arguably the most openly white supremacist election campaign in American history. They painted the Republicans as quote, nigger lovers. The Democrats absolutely repudiate Reconstruction. They basically say, if we get in, forget about Reconstruction, we're going to repeal all this and put the South back under the control of, of white leaders. Though the views of the Democrats had wide support, many voters gravitated to the Republican candidate, Ulysses S. Grant. They found comfort in the Union general who had won the war. Okay. 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 <clears throat> so Ulysses S. Grant. They rocking with him. They loving him. Union general, Republican president candidate. And at the time he has the slogan, let there be peace, which to me is kind of, you know, blow on the nose, but you know, hey, what can you do? He was trying to he was trying to wrap this reconstruction up. As concisely and as quickly as possible <laughs> but his big thing is reconciliation he needs the north and the south to get to agree on something because it's about the growth of the economy because if you can't grow the economy you cannot really be a country like I said this is, I told you they're parallel from then to now because Joe Biden's kind of like picking up the pieces from this Obama then Trump shit. So the country's been all over the place on an emotional roller coaster for like 12, 13 years now. Same thing back then. So he really the the way I I viewed it when I was when I was listening to it, it basically his biggest thing was to move on. He wants to solve the Southern problem and just move forward. You know, so you got black Southerners uh, saw in one way, Northern Southerners 
saw him one way in southern white southerners saw him one kind of way you know it, it, the white northerners yeah they just they're, they're behind him that's their candidate that's easy that's simple but not so much for the white southerners the white southerners were not that convinced because even though he had went around on that little tour with Andrew Johnson, he was still the general that Robert E. Lee surrendered to at the end of the Civil War. And they are still a little bit raw about that, Pauls. You know what I mean? The South really, the South, It's not that they're sore losers. I think that it's because they know that they were kind of tricked. But I don't even know why they're mad because they got all their land back. They are really torn up about black people getting these rights. So, mentioning blacks, black southerners, they saw Grant completely different than everybody in the country, obviously. Over a half a million of them showed up to vote for Grant. Because they felt like they had an ally in the White House. That sound familiar? Oh, hey, my bad, guys. I didn't mean to ask that. I I know you guys have your sensitivities and things. But the thing about politics and politicians, like I said, over half a million black Southerners showed up to vote for Grant in this election because they think they have an ally in the White House and you know what happens Grant's forced to make a move because the same million half a million people they want them to they they want they want the federal government to intercede they want them to come in and get rid of all of the discrimination and all of the violence. Like, dang, dog, can y'all, like, can y'all be civil? Like Michael J was saying, like, why are you murdering whole families? Because they, this guy's working somewhere else now. It's, it's really stupid. And it, and it plays into and explains a little bit about the psyche of white America. Not only then, but now, because that's evolved into Karens and, and, and people not minding their business, people trying to victimize you for anything. But then, as soon as you bring up something about them, they're so, or something happens to them, they're they're exaggerated in their response. And it's ridiculous, and it's kind of funny to me. That's why I say white struggle is hilarious. But white fear, my friends, is it's it's good. You can read the whirlwind. You might want to be careful. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's really what the black psyche has been up against and what creates black rage and you know what I'm saying there's all kinds of things but like I said it correlates from that time to this time because just like we had those blacks we were lied to kind of like a a woman in a emotionally abusive 
relationship. The man is America. Black people are the this woman. We want to trust it because we love it. We help make it who it is. But it just keeps doing us dirty. And it's like, I don't, I don't, I can't leave. I don't want to leave. I don't got nowhere to go. I love you. I love you, America. America's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll use you. All they're asking <laughs> is for civil and equal. You know what I'm saying? Not even equal, but civil rights. So it's not so. So. Black legislators, they're not asking for really radical changes. They're asking for deeply American things. Equality in the courthouse, the right to be on juries, the right to testify on your own behalf. A lot of what these black lawmakers and white Republicans are trying to do, you might almost say, is bring the South into the 19th century. Public school systems, for example. South didn't have that. Large numbers of Southern whites were illiterate. Reconstruction establishes the first public school systems in the South. Within a year, Mississippi opened 230 new schools for blacks and 252 for whites. There were plans for new hospitals, railroads. But who would pay the bill? Before the Civil War, slave owners had paid most of the taxes. Now, the burden shifted to anyone who owned land. Small farmers, as well as rich planters. White Southern landowners said, if you think for a minute that I'm gonna give up my hard-earned money to build up the government to take care of colored people, you're crazy. Grant decides, like I said, he has to do something. But he can't do too much because then he'll lose Southern white voters. See, and here we go into the politics. So he decides to, you know, like in a movie where the, the, the sheriff of the town has to make an example of somebody. They still do it today, like where they, they, they act like they've cleared up the problem. But this is what Grant did. It was kind of a half-assed attempt, if you ask me. But I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Now, he commands the Georgia governor, because remember, before we went to that quick break, and he was talking about that, Georgia's governor has locked out all of the black legislators. They can't even come to work and sit on their seats. Because they're being locked out. They also are being chased away because they and these people that you just heard about it. They killed. (laughs) They was killing people in the street because they were trying to go to work. So anyway, what Grant decides to do first, like I said, he, the first thing he does is he commands the Georgia governor uh, and, uh, and well, Grant and Congress does this because he can't. He's just not like, hey, it's, it's Congress. They command Georgia's governor to readmit the expelled black delegates. 
Okay, so that's 32 black legislators get, get to take their seats back. All right. Now, I told you at the beginning that there are a lot of names that get left out of history. And I want to bring one up right now. Because just like everything else, there was a Malcolm, you know what I'm saying? Everything else, there are parallels to everything when you look at American history, what history in general. But I said Malcolm on accident because I was I was getting ahead of myself. But just like all of these presidential parallels, we've got citizen and um and and I guess hero parallels like the eighteen I mean in nineteen sixties it was Martin Luther King Malcolm X for black people. Well, at this time in the 1860s, it's Tunis Campbell. Like we've been, you guys remember him. And this guy named John Roy Lynch. Now, John Roy Lynch, I compare him to Martin Luther King. I compare Tunis Campbell to a Malcolm X. Okay, so that's kind of the way you guys, because I know, because they were new to me when when I first got into this. But now that I understand what's going on, John Roy Lynch was, just check this out. While Tunis Campbell fought aggressively for black rights, John Roy Lynch moved more cautiously. Lynch had been a house slave in Natchez, Mississippi. After the war, he had learned to read, taught himself photography, and worked his way up in the business. I think he only had about four months of formal schooling, but he's a very bright young man and a fast learner. He listened. And he was also in the photography business, so he heard uh, a lot of people who could afford to have their pictures taken. Lynch's customers talked politics, and he soaked it up, even teaching himself parliamentary law. By 1870, he was a newly elected state legislator walking up the steps of the Mississippi Capitol he was 22 years old. John R. Lynch is one of those guys who is created by the Reconstruction situation. Opportunities open to him which could have been, in, which would have been inconceivable before this moment. It's a cold dude, right? <laughs> Shout out to J.R. Lynch, man. Um, now, even though it's a good time, it's also a bittersweet time. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. But for real though, it really was kind of bittersweet because around this time, 1870, it's uh, it's called Negro by the white Southerners. And they, they truly think that they're being subjugated and victimized by these new laws and the fact that black men were being placed in positions of authority. <laughs> And this is, this is, they started calling them Shadowlands, where you, that's, this is when white supremacist groups start popping up. 
black people start learning how to read and take care of themselves and learn the laws and stuff. And white supremacist groups pop up. It's almost like a group of white kids can be fucking up a parking lot and no, nothing happens. But two black people could be leaning on a car just talking to each other and police pop up out of anywhere, nowhere. Anyway, um, some of these groups are still around today. Um, uh, they mentioned uh, the one in Mississippi called the White Liners. Now, all of these are different sects and, um, and branches of the KKK. Throughout the South, they had these, and like they were like sleeper cells, like in every southern state. So, uh, Mississippi, they had the White Liners. Louisiana, they had the Knights of the White Camellia. Um, and the KKK just starts to grow across the entire South. And really, the way white folk looked at it is any benefit black folk received was, it was basically interpreted as a loss of whiteness. Poor whites. <laughs> poor, poor, poor whites. But it's interesting because do they try and have a talk or do they seek out the leaders of the black community to kind of have a sit down? No, nope. Nope. Straight to secret, secret groups to murder, <laughs> to murder people. That's what their go-to was. It was nothing sensible. Poor, poor whites. Ku Klux Klan does not see itself as lawlessness, but as the law, because they do not believe that black men deserve political power or know what to do with it once they have it. They think that it's their right, maybe even their Christian responsibility, to destroy black political power before it has a chance to become too entrenched. They were not simply using the ballot because they felt they would lose at the ballot box. They were using violent coercion. They were eliminating their competitors. Colby's attackers could not hide behind their hoods. Some of them were the first class men in our town. One is a lawyer, one a doctor, and some are farmers. I knew the voices of those men as well as I know my own. They would take people out of their houses or their cabins in the dark of the night, strip them out in a road, uh, make them run down the road, make them sometimes lie on a rock where they would be whipped, where men would line up to whip them. Sometimes they would burn parts of their bodies. These were, these were sadistic tortures. They said to me, do you think you will ever vote another damned radical ticket? I said, if there was an election tomorrow, I would vote the radical ticket. They set in and whipped me a thousand licks more. This was a war of terror. 
The Ku Klux Klan, organized in 1867, is an original American terrorist organization. Break! Terrorism. <laughs> America's first terrorist organization. American terrorists. That's why I played that Lupe song earlier, man. And then run around. We run around. At that. Nope, nope. Stay on task, Jim. But terrorism, man, that was their go-to. That was America's go-to. <laughs> you didn't kill, you didn't genocide the Native American. You, you're, you've enslaved the black person, and you about to go on a rampage against the, the Mexicans after you get this reconstruction shit together. But America is always a victim mentality. And at that time, because uh, tensions were so high, uh, and Johnson had already ordered people back, I mean, uh, black people back to these plantations, uh, this brings us into the sharecropping era. You know? And sharecropping was basically still slavery. Because they didn't have anywhere to go, and since they were ordered to work the fields, uh, they were getting manipulated. There were, and, and this is another part of the systemic racism. They didn't want to pay them what they was worth. And because they have to work and pay and, and raise their families, you could, the typical slave was taking whatever the planner was offering. And it took people like Tunis Campbell and other black men across the South to go around educating the freedmen about better treatment and better wages. Because like I said, another part of systemic racism is wage. You know, they want to separate you. That's why people don't talk about what they make. Because you're not getting, nobody's getting paid what they're worth. But everybody is getting paid on a different tier. And, and men like Tumas Campbell knew this. So he's he's like, he's, he's going around on his own little campaign just educating these ex-slaves and helping them become black men and, 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 and would know what their worth was. And the white people, the southerners, they start... What, what I consider to be the second, like I said, rung of system, systematic racism, and that's pricing, wages, pricing, uh, every, money. So now they can limit your money. That means that they can sell goods and services at a higher rate. So you feel like you don't have enough. It's a mental it's mental slavery. Like, oh, but, but you don't want to pay. It's almost like right now. Everything's going up. The price of everything. They tell us about inflation when we study economics in school. And they and, and, and now, everything's gone up. Except two things. The price and worth of the dollar. Which is probably going down. And the working wage. So... It, if 
if everything around you that you have to buy is going up in price, wouldn't naturally a country that cares about you, a government, an establishment that wants to things better for the people, wouldn't they raise all of the wages? No, they'll give us excuses and then idiots, regular citizens will believe it blindly and then fight their fight for them. But it makes me think about something Chris Rock said. Fucking Lululemon. We don't support racism, sexism, discrimination, or hate. They sell hundred dollar yoga pants. Hundred dollar yoga pants. They hate somebody. <laughs> They hate the poor. <laughs> Sounds like logical. But anyway, anyway, everywhere that you go in the South, this is how the people are feeling. This is how white people feel. They, they, they just can't. They're fed up. Fed up, graduate. Yeah, that's my work. Set it down. And uh, the people, this is what I had to think about. It's basically people that have owned other human beings their entire lives are now trying to figure out how to live without that. So this group of people who have been used to living one way, and now they have to get used to living another way. They, their first shot, their first cha- their first chance, terrorism. <laughs> America chooses terrorism. The KKK just unleashes its own fire anyway. Uh, 1871. Okay. Now earlier in that clip about the schools, uh, I mentioned uh, a guy named Abram Colby. Abram Colby was another guy like uh, like Tunis Camp, where he was a black legislator. And I believe it was South Carolina. And they came and made an example out of it. But anyway, in, in 1871, Abram Colby goes before Congress and testifies. But Will testifies about what? I'm about to tell you. Colby had been a black Southern legislator, but had been a victim of the violence, like we mentioned earlier. So he still even badly injured when he came before Congress. Uh, he gives accounts of Klan violence across the South and has other black folk tell their stories. Now, this horrifies Northerners. And I'm laughing because it's funny because it's like, it's horrifying because they didn't think, they didn't know these kind of atrocities were going on. Oh, that makes me think about what Dave Chappelle says. I'm not going to say white people didn't believe us, but you're a little skeptical. You're a little skeptical. I mean, I don't blame you. And then Newsweek printed it, he knew it was the truth. <laughs> and then the Newsweek, white people are like, oh my God. <laughs> Honey, did you see this? 
Apparently, the police have been beating up Negroes like hotcakes. It's in the May issue. Break! It's basically the same thing. It's basically almost the same exact reaction back then. And contrary to popular belief, they didn't really care about black lives either. Um, they had their own agenda. White Northerners were basically repulsed by Southerners. The white Southerners. And kind of viewed them the way that white Southerners viewed black people. Early on, Americans were concerned about how they'd be viewed as a country. These savages in the South couldn't get their shit together. Something has to be done. It's the way they feel. Enter Ulysses S. Grant again. Because this nigga wins the presidency in a landslide. And I kind of consider him to be the first Joe Biden. Uh, but he knows he can't just tell all the southern states to treat blacks equally. They'd be pandemonium. Like, why? You know what I'm saying? They're like, yeah, right. Whatever you Ulysses. <laughs> uh, but he also knows that after hearing all those stories told at the congressional hearing by Colby and other black people, that he can't just sit on his hands either. So, in what I consider a half-assed attempt to appeal and please both black voters and white Southerners, but also with hopes of calming white Northerners down, the orders, they're, they're, he hands down orders to round up uh, important uh, Ku Klux Klan members in South Carolina. Just South Carolina. Not not the entire South. Not every single state in the South. Just South Carolina. And he puts them on trial. Has some of them jailed. He has some of them hanged. So now what this does, this solidifies what the black people need. We, need, we got an ally in the White House. And it's not the best he could have done, but he did something so he gets the credit for that. Also, the South, the white Southerners look at it like, eh, it is just South Carolina. He, he could have wiped us all out. So he's, and, and then the white Northerners, they're happy because he made a move to do anything. So he's succeeded. He's also essentially killed the KKK. In South Carolina and other southern states, they they grow exponentially in spite of this, right? So basically, after he won the election invited black people to come to the White House for the first time. This is S. Grant. Battles off and on for the next seven years. I'm talking about he gets, he he's not the worst president, but he's not the best. Um, 
he's labeled an alcoholic. But you gotta think about it, man. This is, this is a Civil War general. You know what I'm saying? They, he's he 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 really didn't want to become president. He was forced up the ranks of politics after he got after the Civil War ended. He was even like I said, traveling around with uh, this Andrew Johnson guy. Boo this man, by the way. Let's boo this guy. But yeah, Ulysses S. Grant saves the reconstruction process by making it not as racist. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sorry that I'm laughing, but it looks just like today because Throughout the 1870s, leading to 1877, when he leaves office, surprisingly, after Andrew Johnson's policies are uh, ratified or eliminated, what Ulysses S. Grant really does get things to not be equal, but he gets things to calm down. Does the violence from the KKK stop completely? No, but it slows down kind of forced underground for a while they'll pop back up though you know american history white northerners republicans and the radical republicans they're happy now they're kind of committed and the radicals become just regular regular republicans again because there's nothing really to be radical about and black people we've got black people in the senate which means they're included in Congress and they're out here making laws in their respective states. So so at this point in time, before we change presidents again and the 1870s are almost over and Western expansion grows, we wipe out more Indians and move further west. The racism comes back. Now, with the Indians gone, at the end of the 1870s and into the 1880s, Texas Rangers, the state of Texas, Mexico, Alamo, it's, it's, it starts all over again. But for now, that is it. That's it. That's it. And I, it, I appreciate y'all sticking around if you stuck around this long, um, only because this was a learning experience for me. I hope you guys learned something too. That means that we share something together. But it really does make me once again look at the state of our country and it makes me calm down. We're just a bunch of dummies, man. Running around thinking we know what we're doing. We're supposed to be going off of what happened in the past, but we keep hiding the past. And in the words of Trevor Noah, go check out his uh, new special on Netflix, by the way talks about Germany and Hitler and how if you go to Germany now they'll talk about it they're embarrassed they're ashamed but they don't hide it from the kids the Holocaust they don't they don't they're not they, they've they've dealt with it it's almost like the whole country has went to therapy and they tell the the, the, the youth yes these things happen. Yes, they were messed up, but you're not responsible because you weren't there. 
you're responsible from here on to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And that's the way we should be speaking to the youth of America, no matter what race, culture, or color they are. Because that's the way us as Americans should be. But if we can't even... If we can't even agree on little things, we'll never get the country together. That was the secret back in Reconstruction. Everybody working together. It's always the secret. (laughs) But I'm going to get out of y'all here, man. Y'all continue, continue, continue to strive to be better, be better people. Not just to the people around you. Be better to yourself. The world's hard enough. Don't help it out. Take it easy. Relax. Know that you got all the time in the world. But the clock is running down. Keep your head to the sky and out of your ass. Hey, and I'm getting out of here. Hey, I'm going to play that Be Worthy. That me and Be Worthy again. Play that show me on the way out. I appreciate y'all. And I'll see you next time. lose my way and there are no words to say lord please show me when i lose my way and there are no words to say lord please show me the things that you brought me through all i want to do is sit and talk with you so much on my plate gave it all to you lord This ain't no gimmick, this authentic life No in-betweens, bro, you get it right Murder scenes under city lights My life is yellow tape, move cautious Bringing people to the Lord, Satan, get a off I, I, I got it. Too many times I done saved up Quarters, nickels, and dimes So I could try to make a way But my creator so divine Everything in perfect time I just had to get in line about faith Purpose been designed, not define Humankind is everybody out here trying to save faith Drop down on my knees and I ask the Lord for peace if that's what I want, then it gotta start with me All this stuff I've been holding on, really holding on to me All this stuff I've been holding ain't hurting nobody but me I've been working on my patience, patiently Waiting on my nation, facing time Stayed up out the matrix, basically What I'm trying to say is When I lose my way, and there are no words to say, Lord, please show me. When I lose my way, and there are no words to say, Lord, please show me. The things that you brought me through, all I want to do is sit and talk with you. So much on my plate, gave it all to you, Lord, you show Myself, my sword, I love the Lord, I'm going for it I'm searching for something that's more you can't afford Still you ignore, I lost my way, forgive me Lord